Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Sly as a fox, cultured in pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, yeah, fantasy round table. Come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table. Come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Bruning. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. Got my uh, two co-hosts with me today. You can follow Dennis Bennett at Culture underscore Coach and Mr. Matthew Fox at Nighthawk7734. We are proud to be a part of the Drive-In Podcast Network. You can go to MusicCityDriveIn.com to check out all of our podcasts, pop culture, music, movies, and fantasy. We've got a podcast for anything and everything that you like. It's an awesome network with a ton of great people, so check it out if you want to uh, dive into it. It's, like I said, a lot of fun for all of us. For today's episode, we are finishing up our ranking series. Uh, We will rank the top 24 tight ends, or how we think the top 24 tight ends will shake out for the 2020 season. We will also talk about uh, some COVID opt-out. We will announce our listener league draft spots at the end, if you guys are in that. And we will also talk a little bit about how to handle drafts and what we think could be considered a full NFL season if it were to be canceled early. Alright, what's going on everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. I've got uh, Matt and Dennis with me today on this beautiful Thursday as we're going to be running through our tight end rankings, finishing up our 2020 redraft rankings. How are you guys doing today? Man, I am 30 minutes into vacation and I am awesome. I thought you just went on vacation. Well, I, I have another, I have to use up my time before September 1st. It's my anniversary wow. date, so. Ah, so you're squeezing it in there. And and when I got cut down to four days, and then there was a holiday in there, so like my last vacation, I had like nine days off, but I only had to claim two days of PTO. That's the best, isn't it? Though, so now now I am uh, uh, on vacation. I'm going to get this room here finished, uh, swim in the pool, do whatever my wife wants because I'm good like that. What about you, Matt? How you doing? Doing pretty good. It was a little bit dicey yesterday with some uh, massive hailstorms. But uh, today I was working from home watching a conference most of the day. So it's been a little bit more chill, which is good. Uh, to answer your question, Caden, I, I, you'll have to find out. But I feel like you're not going to like my ranking of Hayden Hurst. That's for sure. I, I don't know about Dennis and Matt's. But that's a no not- for me, dog. <laughs> yeah, mine's not great. 
like Hayden Hurst, but I'm not big on him, uh, at least this year. All right, so, uh, I mean, you just saw Caden mention there, and I talked about it in the intro. We are doing our tight end rankings for today, so we'll throw the screen up per usual. Uh, I messed this sheet up again, which I guess is on par for our rankings episodes here, so we'll just uh, deal with the technical issues I have. Got our top or our bottom four here, 21 through 24 on the list. I'll let Matt, you kick it off first. You've got Olsen, Rudolph, Smith, and Sternberger. Yeah, so you obviously just gave mine. Yeah. Uh, but so I have uh, Olsen at 24. Um, you know, I think Seattle signed him for a reason. I, I am a little more nervous now that it seemed like uh, Will Disley is a little closer to uh, being ready. There was some report that he actually got cleared. Um, I was thinking he would probably miss a little bit at the beginning. I guess we'll see. Uh, with Rudolph and Irv Smith, I think both will have a role. It's really hard for me to tell who I think is going to be better, so I kind of grouped them together down here. And then uh, Sternberger, somebody other than Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones will have to catch passes in Green Bay. I don't have incredible confidence with their receivers. Um, you know, I like Sternberger. Uh, last year we didn't really get to see him play. Jimmy Graham, who left, was actually the second most targets on the team last year, so uh, be interesting to see. Uh, how he does this year. Dennis, go ahead and give us yours. So it's interesting. Three of Matt's four did not make my top 24 right there. So I, I have Ian Thomas at, at uh, 24. He showed last year um, that he could he could handle the position. As a rookie, it wasn't too big for him. Uh, I know they have a new uh, regime uh, Coach, uh, offensive coordinator, quarterback, still um, Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore. Uh, I think Thomas steps up into that role as the lead tight end, but he'll be limited by volume. He'll have some games where he he scores, you know, fifty yards and a touchdown, three or four catches. Uh, I think he's going to show that he'll be on the rise uh, and prime for a third year breakout next season. Uh, this season, I think he's he's going to be satisfactory. Uh, Austin Hooper is my uh, number 23. You know, I know he was a big free agent signing in Cleveland. And it's a, you know, the, I just don't, I, I predict that Cleveland is going to run the ball 75 to 100 more times than they did last year, which hurt trading Nick Chubb to Jeremy. Madman, you got me at a weak moment, and you, you got Chubb from me. But uh, but I think Hooper – you know, I said earlier, I think Njoku is going to outscore Hooper, and uh, I ranked my Cleveland tight ends as such. Uh, I think Hooper will be fine, but he's going to be a low-end tight end too. Chris Herndon, he's the pass-catching tight end. He could be uh, – I know they signed Ryan Griffin to a, a three-year contract last season, last or early this offseason or late last season. Uh, but Herndon is just a better tight end. Uh, he, he's a better football player. Uh, I, I think with that team, Herndon has an opportunity to maybe push 100 targets if he gets out there. Um, and then Blake Jarwin, Dallas is going to throw the ball a lot. Uh, 
I realize that they have those three stud wide receivers. They have uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Herndon had 41 targets or something like that last season, 44 targets. Uh, Witten had 82. It's not a, a stretch for to, to, it's not a stretch to believe that Jarwin is going to get 80 to 80 to 85 targets this season, even with 3,000 yard receivers. All right. So for me, obviously, I've got uh, David and Joku on there. Uh, kind of something we've talked about. I know me and Dennis have. Uh, I do kind of agree with what you were saying there about Austin Hooper, and I think that does end up helping out David Njoku uh, a little bit, uh, especially with him now opting kind of back in. He, he already has some kind of a rapport with Baker. He's, I think, going to be used more as the offensive guy. Hooper is a phenomenal blocker, which I think anybody who's watching Joku play knows that he is not. Uh, so I think they will use him more in, in offensive sense than, uh, than Austin Hooper. So I still think he could get himself a lot of fancy points, especially in the red zone where he'll be like the fourth – option or fifth option possibly on most plays. So I don't think the defenses will necessarily be putting their best guys on him. Uh, I've got Sternberger here at 23. I wanted to move him higher, uh, but it just seems like in Green Bay, they always, it's just, it's Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams on every single play, or hopefully Aaron Jones. It does seem like they're going to run like a three-headed backfield there. Uh, but if any other wide receivers able to step up, I could see that hurting Sternberger. And I, we just haven't seen outside of Jimmy Graham a whole lot of stability at the tight end position for Green Bay. So I, I Sternberger has the skill. We saw it at Texas A&M, and I do think obviously could be a rock-solid uh, tight end for fantasy, but I kind of need to see it, so that's why I've dropped him down here 23. Uh, Ricky, who I know, I believe is a Patriots fan, but I'm assuming is also just a big Brady and Gronk fan, uh, had on their tight end. Oh, he just put another thing. I didn't mean tight end one. I mean number one overall. Uh, he is. He is the GOAT. He is the best tight end I've ever seen play. I will agree with you on that. Uh, I just don't expect him to do much this year. Uh, he's he's in an offense with a ton of weapons around him. You know, I know that they said he's lost weight and everything, took a year off of football. Maybe he comes back and balls out. Uh, you know, I wouldn't – I'd be ha happy to be wrong on this one because obviously I love Gronk. He's a fun guy. Uh, definitely one of the best tight ends I've ever seen play, as I mentioned. Uh, but I just – I don't think he has a huge fantasy. I think when they get down into the end zone, it's going to be between the running backs, Evans, Godwin, and then – going to Rob Gronkowski, and I also think he misses sometimes. Well, I don't think they use him quite as much throughout the season. Uh, and then Blake Jarwin here, and I actually tried to move Jarwin up uh, just because I had a bet with someone earlier this year with some decent little money on it that uh, he thinks Blake Jarwin is going to finish as a top 12 tight end, and I wanted to make it closer. I just don't see it. I mean, we, we've talked about it many times here when it comes to Dallas and the receiving weapons. They have uh, – they're, they vacated a bunch of targets with, uh, I was going to say Greg Olson for some reason, with, um, my goodness, who am I thinking of? Jason Witten. Witten and Cobb leaving. And so I do think Jarwin's going to get some of that. But when you bring in a guy like CeeDee Lamb, who isn't quite the route runner that Amari Cooper is, but is very close to that. they I saw today that they are going to play him in the slot where I think he's going to thrive from. I do think that's going to eat into Jarwin's value a lot. Uh, so I don't expect him to have – I just don't expect him to have a big year. I, I think he will be fine, uh, but I'm not expecting him to, you know, just blow anybody out of the water. And, again, I think Dennis and then Matt, who I'm sure will be back in a minute, will both vouch for this as well. I really think that all these tight ends probably for me – 
12 through 24 are in a way very interchangeable because all these guys all takes is one or two big games and they could easily jump right up past all these guys. I think there is not going to be a lot uh, that separates these guys here. So since Matt is uh, working on some a computer issue really quick, he said he'll be right back. Uh, I'll just go ahead and start giving the my next four. I have Austin Hooper at 17, Hayden Hurst at 18, Ian Thomas at 19, and Irv Smith Jr. at 20. Irv Smith, I like him, love the talent, showed he could be a really good blocker and offensive weapon last year. I just think having Rudolph there still is going to hurt him some. I think he's still going to transition and take him more and more off of Rudolph. Uh, but with Rudolph being there, I, I just I can't see him being a top 12 tight end. Ian Thomas, I love the kid. Uh, me, I know Dennis has talked about him for the past couple of years. We've been waiting for Greg Olson to leave to kind of take that step forward. I just think having the new offense and everything going on this offseason could hurt Ian Thomas a little bit. Expect bigger years from him coming, but not necessarily this year. Hayden Hurst, uh, he, he's got the talent. Obviously was drafted ahead of Mark Andrews uh, by Baltimore a couple of years ago in the draft. Uh, very technically sound tight end, very good blocker, very good offensive weapon. But I think we we did not see Austin Hooper really break out with Atlanta for a couple of years, and I think that is what's going to happen here for Hayden Hurst. I do think he needs to build his way into this offense and work with Matt Ryan some. Everybody's just expecting him to step into the Austin Hooper role and blow up, and I just I don't think that's going to happen. I still think he has a good year. Said so you could be looking at probably at the end of the year, two extra touchdowns could vault him from 18 into the top 12 easily. Uh, but I'm just not expecting him to come in and put up those Austin Hooper numbers just because he's replacing his role. Uh, I do think Hayden Hurst will be good. He's also suffered a lot of injuries in his two years in the NFL as well. Uh, and so I, I just, I, I can't, I've got to see it, I guess is the best way to put it. I need to see it. And then Hooper, like I just said with Njoku, I think he's going to be used as a blocker a lot. And that is going to kind of keep him in. I uh, could see him doing a lot of red zone work, but I, I, I just don't know how much he does in between the 20s, which is what we saw a lot of in Atlanta. Him getting that ball, building up those rack yards, getting targeted a lot. I uh, mentioned it uh, before. I think it was probably on the wide receiver episode. I just, he's going to be the fourth or fifth target every single week. You're going to have Odell, Landry, and then probably Chubb or Hunt if they're out there. And then you're getting Hooper. So at best, he's going to be the fourth target every single week. Uh, and, and Baker is someone who's not going to necessarily force the ball to anybody. We've seen a lot of times he did a little bit last year when his rookie season, when he was when he was really putting up his numbers, he was hitting the wide open, not wide open player, but he was hitting the player that got open first, and he was forcing some balls in there, uh, throwing, you know, making really good throws. And I think that's where the wide receivers going to come into play. Interestingly enough, and I mentioned this on the Browns episode uh, that I do for the Back Row Network. If you look back at Minnesota's offense a couple of years ago, we keep thinking that they're going to be this heavy two tight end set, run the ball a lot, which is what Gary Kubiak did a lot of. Matt's kind of argued that that's the, the offense that Stefanski's bringing with him, which it is. But if you go look at what Stefanski was heavily involved with before Kubiak got there, they actually got their wide receivers more involved than not. That's kind of when we saw Stefan Diggs have that blow up year and Adam Thielen a couple of years ago. So I do think that they are going to work to get Odell and Landry the ball a lot and not necessarily, I still think they'll run the ball a lot, but I do think they'll, they'll work in the wide receivers, which again is going to hurt Hooper's value. So I, I came in with Njoku at 24. So you can see I have him and Hooper fairly close together. I don't think there's going to be a big gap between their fantasy points, but I do think Njoku is going to outscore you, you, you him. Switched it. I have him at 24. You have Joku at 20. Oh, 20. My bad. My bad. Uh, at, 
I have Njoku at 20 uh, and Hooper at 23. So, I, like I said, I think Njoku is going to outscore Hooper in fantasy points. Um, I just think he has too much that too much athleticism, and when they get out there on the field, that's going to come out. Uh, Hooper is going to be the inline guy, and Joku will be out there making plays. You know, I'm historically not a Jared Cook guy, so I got him at 19. I just I, I've seen him flash, but you know, he makes Eric Ebron look consistent. And and well, I think he's going to get some play. He's playing with you know Drew Brees and Sean Payton. Um, oh, Emmanuel Sanders is the best number two wide receiver that they have had in quite some time. And then you've got Alvin Kamara, who's good for at least eighty-one catches. So uh, I I think Cook. Well, he'll have an okay year if you're in a two tight end or tight end premium. Uh, and you're you're punting that position. You know, Cook may be a a good flyer. Uh, I do have Eric Ebron at 18. With those th- three wide receivers in Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, and James Washington, uh, I feel like Ben's going to try to push the ball downfield, and then they'll try to hammer it with uh, James, James Conner until he runs out of uh, gas and breaks down. But until then, it, I think, uh, you know, Ebron is one – one guy I think that has lots of room for upside surprise. And then Jack Doyle checking in at 17. I know that Philip Rivers has loved his tight end in the past, but I just, it, you know, it's, it's one, like you said earlier, and I kind of agree. I think from tight end seven till tight end 18 or 20, uh, you can sh- it's like shuffling a deck. You can put them in just about any order. I could see Doyle coming out with a hundred targets this year, playing with Phillip Rivers, uh, and you know putting up seventy catches for you know six hundred and fifty yards and eight touchdowns. Um, that's sort of where I sit with my seventeen through twenty. That's all you fucks. What you got? Right. We uh, do your next four. Sorry, we just decided to do four by four here with the tight ends. Yeah, easier. No, I figured that was easiest. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, you're good to go. Maybe the MacBook Pro works better. <laughs> it certainly made me darker, though. I was going to flip a light. Uh, so at 20, I have Ian Thomas. Um, you know, Dennis covered a lot of things. Uh, you know, this is his real opportunity, kind of with Olsen gone, hopefully to step up and, um, you know, make an impact. Hopefully he'll have a good season. Chris Herndon, uh, we didn't get to see him at all last year. Um, I still think he was pretty phenomenal in his rookie year. Um, the Jets obviously have an opening for weapons uh, to to make an impact, so hopefully we'll see a better year from him. I loved Austin Hooper last year. I don't uh, especially like uh, the landing spot. I think he has a lot of competition, not even just at the tight end position, but receivers and backs and everything. So I dropped him down kind of to 18. I'm not quite as uh, low as Dennis, uh, but not quite as optimistic as Matt, apparently. And uh, then I have Rob Gronkowski. Um, I think he, he could have a good year. He has uh, built-in chemistry with Brady. I'm just not ready to say he's going to be back to what he was five years ago. 
Yeah, it was. I mean, it was hard for me to be that optimistic on Hooper, but I do think you know when they get down there, they will throw to some. We we saw we've seen a lot of that when the you know I was actually just talking about as you were off there uh, the Stefanski Kubiak offense, uh, how much they do kind of tend to go to the tight end sometime in the red zone as well, even with the talented wide receivers. So I could see Hooper getting some serious uh, some serious red zone looks, and if he gets that, you know, as as we mentioned, what's up? I think you I think you pronounced Njoku wrong. There. That could be true too. But uh, you know, I think uh obviously as Dennis mentioned, and I mentioned it too. We we think, you know, really tight end seven through like twenty here could be separated by like fifteen points. Like I I think a lot of these guys are gonna yeah. be pretty close together at the end of the day. Uh Matt, go ahead and kick us off with your next four. Yeah, so uh sorry to uh Caden who uh posted there at the beginning. Uh, I do not have Hayden Hurst uh, in the top 10. I, I actually have him down here at 16. I oh, think he could. One of us could, does, actually. I think Dennis does, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, we he's the only one who can because I've got him at 18. You've got him at 16. So, Yeah, so, I, I mean, I think he can be good there. I just don't have a ton of confidence. Evan Ingram's the hardest person in the world uh, for me to rank. If you thought you were going to get 16 – games I, I think he would be easily up in the top 12 he gave us what eight games last year six starts saw 68 targets and caught 40 passes I mean he's incredibly productive it seems when he's on the field had good chemistry with Jones just don't have a good feel about him playing the whole way uh you know this may be a bit of a cop-out putting him kind of middle uh, you know, just outside the, the tier of tight end one. Uh, John New Smith, I think we talked about, there's a lot of opportunity in Tennessee. We all seem to think Tannehill was going to get to 3,500 yards. A.J. Brown can only catch so much. None of us are Corey Davis truthers. Uh, Evans will get some, but, uh, you know, that they've traditionally used the tight end, uh, and I think uh, the pictures of him and the shape he's in have been pretty uh, inspiring too. And then I have TJ Hawkinson. Um, I think he's going to be good. Hope he kind of takes a little bit of a step up uh, this year, is able to stay on the field more. I have him just on the cusp of tight end one. All right, so I have Rob Gronkowski at 16, and it's a crapshoot, honestly. He could uh, have, you know, the chemistry could return. I just don't have a ton of faith with guys like uh, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans there that Gronk will be able to hold his spot on the receiving totem pole. Uh, I think Gronk will have an okay season. Uh, Tight end 16 is a decent season. Um, But I I believe it's going to be still Mike Evans and Chris Godwin's show there. Uh, I'm high on Irv Smith. I I think, well – at the end of the season, we're likely to look back and see that Kyle Rudolph led the Minnesota tight ends in snaps. Irv Smith is going to comfortably lead them in targets, receptions, yardage, and touchdowns. Uh, Smith is a weapon. He's a mismatch weapon. You can put him uh, – I don't think there are very many linebackers that can cover him, and he's bigger than most safeties. Uh, not Gronk bigger, but uh, he's bigger and big enough to handle safeties at 245. So uh, I think Irv Smith is in for a good year. Gesicki at 14. You know, I was looking at this earlier because I was thinking, ah, I think I'm going to move him down. 
But when you have three quarters of the uh, wide receivers in Miami opting out for COVID, uh, it kind of helps to se- secure his target share, his market share there. So we'll, we'll see. It's the third year for Gesicki. Uh, this is when tight ends uh, are supposed to mature. Third, he, you know, he's been under Brian Flores so far. And uh, let's, let's let him roll and see what happens. And uh, I agree with pretty much what Matt said with John U. Smith. Uh, the concern there is going to be target share uh, or just targets in general. But I think that the way that team is set up, we've seen them just feature Delaney Walker year after year after year. And while uh, I don't know if Walker ever had any competition at receiver like A.J. Brown, uh, I'm all for um, a John U. Smith breakout. I've, I've got a number of shares and uh, – you know, I, I agree. I, you know, he's inspiring me to work out. Well, he's inspiring me to at least think about working out, which is, which is, I guess, you know, one step on the path to activity. Yeah, I'm not much higher than you guys on John U. Smith, but I do have him in my top 12. So at 16 for me, I've got Eric Ebron. Uh, it's mostly for me just believing in that offense. If Big Ben is going to come back and be as healthy as everybody keeps saying he is right now, a lot of the wide receivers are talking about how good he's throwing the ball. Uh, I think Ebron's going to get enough work down in the red zone uh, to make him fantasy viable. For me, Jared Cook at 15. I uh, would have had him higher had they not signed Emmanuel Sanders. I think I had him in my top five last year when we did our tight end rankings. Uh, obviously had a very good year. When you look at his stats at the end of the year, it didn't necessarily put up points every single week, but by the time the end of the year came, he ended up having a pretty good year. Uh, but I do think having Emmanuel Sanders there is going to hurt him some. Hawkinson, it was hard. <clears throat> I just don't know what to do with him. I, I like Hawkinson. Uh, I had him behind Fant last year when they came out. Uh, but I, and I think being in that offense, you know, we expect Daryl Bevel to run the ball a lot, even though they did do a little bit of running the ball last year. Matt Stafford was on his way to an MVP season before he injured the back. That was also with Mar- without Marvin Jones. I think having Marvin Jones there, you got Kenny Galladay, who we all expect is going to take a, another step forward and be a top-tier wide receiver this year when it comes to fantasy, which means he's going to have to get his targets and touchdowns. do think that they're going to run the ball. Swift, I think, will prove to be more effective than on Johnson has. So I think all of that kind of limits what Hawkinson can do. And then Chris Herndon, I wanted to move him higher uh, just based on what we saw from Ryan Griffin and Sam Darnold toward the end of last year when those two really started to link up. I think Darnold likes to go to the tight end a lot. Uh, and I think Chris Hernan is definitely more talented. So if they tend to go to him, I think he'll be probably their best weapon in losing Robbie Anderson. They really don't have much out there to help Darnold out. None of us expect Mims to be able to do much this year in his rookie season. So I do expect him to rely a lot on a guy like Chris Herndon. Uh, and again, if they do that, you know, outside of Bell, I think he could easily be their best offensive weapon. So let's jump into our top 12 here. If I can figure out how I did. There we go. Couldn't find the button I was looking for. All right. So for me, I've got Dallas Goddard at 12. Obviously, he he's finished right around this the past couple of years between I think it's been like the 12 and 8 range just based on the work that he's been getting with him and Ertz. 
but I think this is going to be kind of Ertz's final last go as a top tight end. I couldn't move him down. I think if they continue to do that, I, I still believe Rager is going to have a really good rookie season. Uh, and so with all that combined, I think Goddard still finishes right around this area. Higby, great year last year. I think he's just going to continue. I do see Everett eating into some of it a little bit, a little bit of his production, uh, but still finishing as a top 12 tight end. I got John New Smith here at 10. As like I said, I have him a little bit higher than you guys. Dennis kind of mentioned it. They did tend to feature Delaney Walker a lot, and I think that they will do that with Jonu Smith. And it's not just the receiving. We've seen him take rushes in the backfield as well, even with Derrick Henry last year with Derrick Henry doing what he did. Jonu Smith is just a phenomenal athlete. He is a guy who gets you a lot of yards after the catch or on rushes. I think they're going to use him a little bit more often. Uh, now with Corey Davis, they, it does seem like they're getting ready to move off from Corey Davis by not picking up his fifth-year option. So I think when it comes to them throwing the ball, it's going to be Brown first, Jonu second, in my opinion, which is why I'm all in on this John Smith breakout year. And then I got Gusecki here at nine. I just, I mean, honestly, I kind of feel like I should rank him higher with all the news we've had of the Dolphins wide receivers opting out. We don't know if Williams is going to be ready by the start of the season. So it's just Devontae Parker and Mike Gusecki. And we all know... Preston Williams got cleared physically. Did he? Okay. They, so, they announced it. That was like the the my happiest heart. Gotcha. Moment. Well, that's good. Yeah, I didn't see the last I saw was them talking about is was he going to be ready for camp or not? And even if he is, you know, I don't know what he's going to look like. I mean, he's missed obviously all this time with a torn ACL. Is he going to be ready to go from week one? I hope so because I love the kid. But if he's not. Like I said, it's going to be Devontae Parker, Mike Gusecki as your top two options. And we all know Ryan Fitzpatrick does not take a sack, and he's going to force the ball all over the field and throw the ball all over the field. And if he does that, Gusecki's going to put up a lot of points, at least until Tua shows up. So I, I have Goddard at 12, like Matt. There's not a whole heck of a lot for me to add. I, I do think that Ertz is still the number one tight end in that offense. But there will be – substantial tight end or targets for the second tight end. Um, you know, we thought this was going to be the year that the the Eagles start to throw the ball more to their wide receivers, but, you know, their wide receivers are opting out or they're not healthy. Uh, Jalen Rager looks like he's going to be the guy in Philadelphia to lead the team from a, um, a wide receiver perspective, but I, I could comfortably see or easily see a situation where uh, Rager is third on the team in targets and leads the wide receivers in targets if Ertz and Goddard stay healthy all season. There is just a comfort level that Wentz has with those two tight ends uh, after these three years of having a crappy wide receiver core. Uh, Noah Fant. Uh, you know, the, I think the thing holding me back with Noah Fant is that it's, it is the, uh, it, it's the Cortland Sutton show there. And to put Noah Fant up uh, any higher means I got to be all in on Drew Locke. And I'm just not all in on Drew Locke yet. I like Locke. I have a, a number of shares with them. Um, but I just I'm not quite ready to commit uh, to Noah Fant uh, being a top ten, top eight tight end yet, um, which is going to sound completely crazy when I say I am ready to commit to T.J. Hawkinson being top ten as my tight end ten. Um, 
But, I mean, I was Hawk over Fant coming out as rookies. I like Hawkinson. Uh, it was a shame he got injured. But I do believe that uh, the passing volume is going to be there in Detroit that's going to allow Hawkinson. Um, you know, I don't know what Matt Patricia is doing with the running game. Um, but with Marvin Jones and, and uh, Kenny Galladay, we know what's happening at wide receiver. And I think Hawkinson will be able to cut into Danny Amendola's work substantially uh, at the slot. Uh, and so I like Hawkinson to, to be the tight end 10. Tyler Higby, Los Angeles Rams. You know, they got rid of Brandon Cooks. They're going to run some more 12 personnel, they say. Um, you know, Higby showed out well for a four or five game stretch. But that was without Gerald Everett. We'll have to see. Um, I feel like Higby is the guy and Everett is, um, you know, I don't want to say it's an Ertz-Goddard relationship there uh, because I don't think they're, I don't think their statistical lines are going to be as close as Ertz and Goddard. Um, but I think Sean, uh, not Sean, yeah, Sean McVay, is going to be looking to redeem himself after making a Super Bowl, Bowl run two years ago and then the team shit in the bed last year. Um, so I feel like Higby is going to get plenty of uh, red zone opportunity. And at tight end, uh, honestly, you know, two or three touchdowns are the difference between tight end eight or nine and tight end 16 or 17. Okay, so for mine, I have Jack Doyle. Uh, oh, wait, first I have Mike Kosicki uh, at 12. You know, I think we talked about a lot of the the reasons he moved him up. I, I He was right on the cusp of getting in there last year, and I think uh, especially with all the uh, players that are out for the Dolphins, you know, they lost their depth with uh, Alan Hearns and Albert Wilson. So um, I think, you know, Kosicki – going to be even more valuable than I have Jack Doyle. Um, he had a really good year last year, even though uh, quarterback play was pretty uneven. So uh, I'm excited to see uh, what he can do with Rivers. I think he's a, a solid veteran. They've talked a lot about this ending up being more of a veteran year because of the strange offseason and training. Um, then I have Dallas Goddard. I, I really like him. I like what he's doing. I think Philadelphia uses both their tight ends really well. He's, to me, I think we're going to see another step forward a little bit to what Matt talked about. I still have Ertz up in the top block here, but, you know, I think we're getting close to a time where they kind of switch switch spots. And then Noah Fant, um, I think it's going to be Sutton and Fant as the primary targets uh, while they kind of use figure out how to use their receivers. I think he's going to have a really good year. Looking at Pat Shermer and some of his history, he has just blanketed tight ends with targets. He was the coach that gave Evan Ingram 68 targets in eight games last year. He gave Kyle Rudolph 132 targets when he was in Minnesota. He gave Ertz 145 targets one of the years when he was in Philly. Uh, he uses the tight end a lot, and I think they really like Noah Fant, and that bodes for him having a big season. I agree. That's why I've got him higher. I was I was kind of surprised to to see where you had him at. So give us your next four, Matt. 
Uh, so then I have Tyler Higby. I really like the way he ended last year. I think the Rams really found something using Woods, uh, Cup, and Higby as their kind of primary receivers, one of the reasons they moved on from Cooks. I still like Jared Cook. Um, you know, I think he still fits pretty well with that New Orleans offense. I think he's going to have a good year. Uh, Zach Ertz, um, you know, this is down from where he's been at one point. You know, he used to be kind of in that top three. I have him a little bit lower at six. I think that's a reflection of Goddard coming up and kind of their role switching. And then uh, Hunter Henry kind of looking around. He had a he had quietly a, a really good year last year. Um, tight end is a young quarterback or a feeble quarterback's best friend, and he has one of each to pick from in the, in the Chargers. So I think he's going to be in line for a good season. Oh, was that all yours? I'm sorry. I wasn't even looking. I'm trying to re- yeah, That's okay. We're I, only going up to five, I, right? I, so. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I had my uh, cursor over on my other screen, and I couldn't get it back to hit the unmute button. So I have Evan Ingram at eight. Um, in- Ingram, his health scares me. But, I, I you know, I, I tried to do the ranking saying, well, if these guys are all, you know, what can we do to make sure that I'm looking at this as if everything is even? So uh, I kind of took a look and said, I think Ingram will be, if, if Ingram is healthy, tight end eight is a good spot for him. They have more uh, receiving depth, I think, than they've had uh, with, with Shepard and Slayton and um, Golden Tate. Saquon Barkley is uh, it's not unusual for him to get 70 or 80 or 90 targets. Uh, he's an excellent receiver receiver. So Ingram isn't going to be uh, a primary focus. He, he's going to be at best, probably third or maybe more likely fourth on the target list behind Slayton and Barkley and probably golden Tate. Um, but I like Ingram. He does produce when he's out there. So, it again, he's one of those guys when I look at it and say, who could who could take a jump? It wouldn't surprise me if he if he played all sixteen games. If he finished as a top three tight end, to be honest, uh, Hayden Hurst at number seven. You know, Atlanta threw the ball six hundred and twenty six times last season, and they had Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, and then the combination of Russell Gage and Mohamed Sanu. And Austin Hooper still got 97 targets. Now, I will grant you that Hurst may not be quite the athlete that Hooper is, but he's not too far off from that. And he's going to get volume in that offense, um, especially if they run into a situation where Gurley's knee just doesn't hold up. I know I was big on Quadri Allison last year, but with Allison, Smith, and Hill as the backups to Gurley, if Gurley goes down or misses two or three games, it won't surprise me if Matt Ryan throws the ball 60 times a game. Uh, And at number five, uh, coming in with Mr. Uh, Darren Waller, um, you know, that might be a little bit high. He was tight end, what was he, tight end? Two last year, three. He was up there, wasn't he? Or maybe that was just in targets. Yeah. 
He was tight end three. So at tight end three last season, um, with a fairly non-existent receiving core in uh, Los Angeles. So now this year in Vegas, they've got a healthy Tyrell Williams. They've got Henry Ruggs. They've got Brian Edwards. Um, so I can see uh, – I, I feel like there's going to be a dip in Waller's targets. So he had 117 targets, 90 receptions last year. Um, I, I think uh, the expectation of 90, 95 targets is probably the max you're going to see there with, with Ruggs and Edwards. Um I like him. I still think he's good and he he's productive, but uh, he, and he's a mismatch. You know, that's I think that's one thing that sets apart a lot of these guys like Fant and Waller and uh, Ingram is is that Miss Irv Smith's that mismatch ability. Um, so, what do you think, Matt? You're up. So sorry, having an argument with some of my league mates right now on keepers. Uh, still, so no, is this so, the same so, league? No, I'll ask you guys. Completely different league, and I'm sure none of them are paying attention to this anyway. So it's just a one-keeper work league. We decided a couple years ago we were going to keep one player a year. You get to keep whatever round you drafted them in last year. And they're complaining that they should get to know the draft order before they pick their keeper because that will determine the value. I'm like, no, your value is determined based on what round you drafted them in last year. It doesn't matter what pick you're at this year. You want to keep your first-round pick, and this guy's like got DeAndre Hopkins. You want to pick keep DeAndre Hopkins, he's going to go in the first round this year anyway. So it doesn't matter if you're picking at 1-1 or 112. Like, you're going to have to pick him if you want him. So why does it matter what, what what draft pick you are? It matters what pick, what round it was last year. Does that make sense? Am I making sense? It does. I mean, I can see the other side of it, though, because, it, you know, it, it, what's the difference between CMC and, and Austin Eckler? I mean, you know, that's a, a one, yeah. 101 to 112. I think but the, okay. other, the other biggest thing that I would say is, so let's take the person that has Christian McCaffrey. If they find out they have the 101 and they got a really great draft bargain in the fifth round, they go ahead and throw McCaffrey back knowing they're going to draft him. Exactly. That's the point. Like, so there's some people who have, like, guys, uh, like, I'll use this is the team that we were talking about with Chark and Andrews right now. Like, so say that I had two really good players like that, but I drafted them both in the first round, then what Matt's saying is the correct thing. So if I have, like you just mentioned, say I have CMC and Eckler last year, right? And Eckler was probably a third or fourth round pick, maybe even lower, depending on when you drafted with the Gordon holdout news. So if I have CMC and then I find out I'm 1-1, and I also have Eckler in the fourth round, I'm keeping Eckler in the fourth round, and now I'm also getting CMC at my number one pick. No, you've got to make your pick now. Like, that's the way I viewed it. It's the fairest way. You know, everybody gets to see how it works. Every picking around is the same. But no, oh my god, you're you're a fucking idiot. Anyways, I'm gonna keep moving on, and we're in, we're talking about tight ends here, not my my retarded teammates. Uh, that's that was impolitical for me to say, not the p- political right way to say. It. I apologize for dumb people. I'm just gonna put it that way. So I've got Darren uh, Waller here at eight. Uh, my only, I guess, argument against him finishing as a top tight end this year is just all the weapons they brought in. We've already seen the love they've got for Brian Edwards all over social media. I do think that they're going to try and feature Henry Ruggs as much as possible, them drafting him as high as they did. So I think all that kind of comes into Darren Waller not possibly not being the one because he was their one last year. 
Uh, fan, I've got him here at seven. Just everything Matt talked about. I expect him to get a ton of targets. You know, I know Judy's going to be good. I saw a report earlier today that they're actually going to be playing Judy in the slot, which I think is really interesting with as good of a route runner that guy is. They match up the wrong cornerback on him being in the slot. He is going to blow some dudes away. So I'm I'm excited about Judy being in the slot. But Fan, I think, is going to be the number two behind Sutton, at least to begin the season. And we saw at the end of the year last year, especially with Locke, those two really had a good connection. And Fant really kind of came on at the end of the season. I expect that chemistry to continue. Evan Ingram, same thing Dennis mentioned. I've I'm, I'm built my rankings on assuming he was going to stay healthy all season long. And we've seen Evan Ingram is a stud when he's healthy. So I'll put him up here in my top six. Henry, uh, I think, you know, Tyrod's going to lean on him. We actually saw that uh, when he was the quarterback there in Cleveland. Uh, and, uh, you know, what's the, the saying always is a tight end is a rookie quarterback's best friend. When Herbert gets in there, I do think he's going to try and check down to Henry uh, a lot as well. He'll be right there in that short intermediate area, and Henry is a very good tight end. Uh, so he'll be able to make a lot of work with that. I will let you guys go here first with your top four so I can continue arguing. So, Dennis, why don't you kick it off? No, we'll go eh, – Matt, we'll go back the way we came. So, Matt, go ahead and give us your top four. Okay, at four I have Waller. Um, you know, I still think he's going to be good and still think he's going to be a part of it. They've got to figure out who's going to be, uh, what, even what they're going to do with the receivers. Kind of an interesting report today that they're looking at putting rugs in the slot. Uh, so all those uh, Hunter Renfro truthers are uh, swallowing hard. But, you know, I think we know uh, – what we saw from Waller, if he did all that last year, catching 90 balls, 1,100 yards, only three touchdowns, if he can get a few more touchdowns, uh, you know, even if his receptions and yards come back a little bit, he's still kind of going to end up where he was. Uh, and then it's really hard for me, these top three, um, I like them so much. The one that I'm probably least likely to draft when I'm drafting is uh, Kelsey um, because I, I think Andrews is only going to keep getting better seems to be a real featured piece in that offense. You think about the fact that uh, Hurst had 31 receptions, I think, and or targets last year that now have vacated that are even more work that could potentially go to the tight end. I know people think they're going to get receivers more involved, but uh, they seem to really like using their tight ends. Uh, and then Kelsey, um, incredible. Uh, I actually thought some, one or two of you would put him up at number one, but... He's there, and then for me, Kittle. Um, Kittle is my top tight end. I also think he's easily the the most important target for the 49ers, especially with not knowing where Samuel's going to be at coming back. Uh, I was listening to NFL radio yesterday, and they were talking about it's very possible week one the starters at receiver uh, for the 49ers are Kendrick Bourne and and Brandon Ayuk. You know, I just think that means having a guy like Kittle is even more important. And if they put if Jordan Reed can come back and contribute and go on the other side, that even messes with defense's ability more to try to just throw a bunch of guys at George Kittle. I think it could end up helping Kittle a little bit too. I have Zach Ertz at four. Um, he's still gonna he's still the lead dog in the tight end room there in Philadelphia, and they're still gonna throw the ball a lot. Uh, you know, having two top twelve tight ends. I think I got Goddard at 12. Uh, it's it's just a situation. I've got – yeah, I've got her at 12. It's a situation where there's – that offense is running through the tight ends there. And 
Ertz hasn't slowed down. I know that, uh, you know, we like to talk about he's getting older. He's what, he's going to be 30 this year or something. Um, but he's still got a couple years left, and the Eagles love him. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they extended him much to Goddard Chagrin. Uh, George Kittle, you know, I, I, I love Kittle, but I think him and Andrews both are going to struggle with the uh, low passing volume offense conundrum. And, and uh, I, I just feel like uh, San Francisco and, and, you know, honestly, you could put these top three tight ends in just about any order. Uh, I have Andrews at one because I called Andrews as being the tight end one earlier this year. And God damn it, I'm sticking to my guns. It's probably going to be wrong, uh, but I'm going to stick to my guns. Uh, and Kelsey, you know, he's a, he's a he's a high volume guy and a high powered offense. Uh, I we we all could be wrong on Kelsey. Uh, if he comes out of this year as the tight end one, none of us are going to say, oh, never saw that coming, because we can. It's pretty pretty easy. Travis Kelsey's uh, quite the tight end beast. Uh, but I like Mark Andrews to get it done at tight end. I think he's going to lead uh, the Ravens. He's going to lead them in receptions. I, I think Hollywood, if he stays healthy, I get a little concerned with a guy that size putting on 23 pounds. Uh, you know, in what, seven or eight months and still keeping its speed, uh, you know, is that extra weight? Is that going to cause issues with the the foot recovery, you know, now that it's supposed to be healthy and they've taken the screws out for Hollywood? So I, I like Andrews to, to score a bunch of touchdowns, catch a lot of passes. All right, Bruni. Yeah, so for me at four, I've got Ertz, like I said earlier, with Goddard. I still think he's going to be the the top guy there, especially with the injuries. We don't know what Alshon Jeffrey's going to do. You know, we all like Rager, but he is coming in as a rookie, uh, trying to learn this offense and be in the NFL. So I still like Ertz to be one of the top targets and put up his. I wanted to put Andrews at two here, but I just think those top two guys, are they're going to keep doing it for at least one or two more years. And I love Andrews. I would not be surprised at all if he ends up finishing the one like Dennis has him just because he he is their number one target as well uh, in Baltimore. And, and it does seem like unless Hollywood Brown is wide open, Lamar Jackson doesn't necessarily throw it to him. He did have a couple nice like tight window throws to, I think, Sneed caught one in that one game and, and a couple to Brown as well. Uh, but Andrews, I definitely think, is the one in that offense. So he could really have a good year. Uh, but it's Kelsey and then Kittle for me. You know, Kittle – had a really good year last year, but was really kind of slow scoring touchdowns to begin the season. I, I can't remember how long it took him to score that first touchdown, but I remember everybody was freaking out about Kittle's points, and he was still getting the catches in the yards. He just wasn't putting up the touchdowns he was two years ago. I, I just think that bounces back a little bit. I don't think they're going to be able to run uh, as much as they have been the past couple of years. I think that defense takes a little bit of a step back, which means they're going to have to rely on Jimmy G to throw the ball. And I actually think Jimmy G is going to kind of be able to do it. If you go look at his stats, he's actually very good at throwing the ball. I know he does it in limited amounts, but he completes most of the passes that he throws. He he can be a really good quarterback. And so I think a lot of that will go on to Kittle because, again, same thing I've mentioned kind of with Andrews and Ertz in this top tier as well. He's the number one target on that team. And so if you can get one of these number one targets, I think you're going to be set at the tight end position. 
So that does it for our top 24 on the tight ends. And that finishes our, whoops, I turned the wrong thing off. I was supposed to take that off the screen. Uh, that'll, that'll take us, uh, that'll finish up our rankings right uh, for this season. I uh, was pretty, uh, Pretty interested to see where that goes. I'm going to try and keep them and not lose that sheet so we can kind of see how everything plays out throughout the year, how close uh, some of us were. Uh, so you for, want to talk fortunately about- for you, uh, fortunately for you, I own that Well, even better. That's good career. because I, don't, I just don't want it to disappear when Lamar Jackson doesn't finish as one of the top quarterbacks and I get to rub that in your guys' face for like 30 episodes all throughout the offseason. But uh, why don't uh, – do you guys uh, – Talk about, uh, I don't know if you know everybody, some of the opt-outs really quick. I'm going to work on getting something ready as we are going to reveal our uh, our draft order for our, our uh, listener league here in just a minute. Yeah, so I think the biggest opt-out for fantasy is still uh, Damian Williams, who opted out for the Chiefs. I was looking at it today. There's a, a few different receivers that opted out that – um, didn't exactly have guaranteed or top end roles. Uh, you know, I think we talked before. Funches uh, opted out for Green Bay. Miami had both Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns opt out. They have a lot of younger guys uh, below them. Um, Jakeem Grant's there. Malcolm Perry, the rookie, is there. Isaiah Ford is there. Matt Collins is there. Gary Jennings, who uh, had been drafted by Seattle last year, is there in Miami. So, you know, one of those guys is going to have an opportunity to be kind of the third receiver. Uh, Geronimo Allison opted out for Detroit kind of means, you know, either Amendola has a better shot at securing his wide receiver three role or Quintus Cephas gets a shot, I think. Those were kind of the next two guys up. Uh, So it was interesting. A lot of kind of free agents who were there on one-year deals opting out uh, and getting pushed on. I thought that was kind of interesting. I don't know if there was any that struck you, Dennis. Well, I think the the most interesting thing for me was Cleveland had four offensive linemen tapped out. None of them were starters, but that really, you know, for a team that wants to run the ball, one thing you want to have is you want to have depth. And having four offensive linemen opt out, could potentially, you know, I'm sure a couple of them probably weren't even going to make the team, but they could be practice squad guys. Maybe they still will. Um, that's going to be the thing for me this year is how do teams manage that? We're, we're going to not just how do NFL teams manage it, but how do us as fantasy general managers, how are we going to manage uh, that roster depth and taking guys in and out of the lineup if they're missing a week or two weeks because they catch COVID or if they miss four weeks because, you know, not everybody recovers the same. So, uh, it, you know, I guess the best thing we have going for us is that every team is going to have to deal with it at some point. Um, but. And that I think there were, to your point, that there in the NFL – uh, site listed 66 players that opted out and many of them had more real NFL ramifications probably than fantasy ramifications the Patriots had eight players opt out you don't just recover from eight guys opting out you know like that and several of them that were potential starters on defense the Jets traded Jamal Adams and then saw CJ Mosley opt out so a defense that you know went from eh, to lesser via trade also took a huge hit with the opt-out on a 
personally, I was, you know, I, I understand, but I was bummed to see Jawan James opt out because that really puts a dent in Denver kind of work to build all these weapons around Locke and to try to shore up the offensive line. We were kind of looking forward to seeing what he could do if he could be healthy at right tackle, and now it's kind of throwing that a little bit into flux. So I think there's some real-life NFL implications um, that may even end up having fantasy implications. You know, Patriots' defense was probably the fantasy MVP the first half of 2019, and between free agency and opt-outs, yep. they have taken a huge fall-off in veteran presence and institutional knowledge. Well, for me, I think it's going to be interesting to see how commissioners uh, – handle the contingencies uh, i've tr- you want to address everything but also you want to try and keep it simple so you're not having to use an abacus a calculator and, and a sundial to figure out who gets what draft pick what i've done is i'm going to do auctions if they if the season is canceled next year's rookie is an auction and you get a dollar value based on the draft picks you have so all first rounders will be, let's say, 150. All second rounders are 100. Third rounders 70. Fourth rounders 40. First round or fifth rounders are 15. So if you have three first round picks, you know I have one guy in a 16 team league, and he's like, "Well, what if I was tanking to get Trevor?" I'm like, "Well, if you take a look at where you sit, you have over $200 more, almost $200 more in." Uh, money for the auction than any other person in this league. The guy literally, he can bid $666 to get Trevor Lawrence, and he still has almost $200 uh, in bidding money to get other rookies. I don't think he'll have to bid that high to get Lawrence, but, you know, I, I, I get that, you know, he's like, well, why is the 101 worth the same amount as the 116? And I'm like, how do you know who had the one, who's going to have the 101 and who's going to have the 116? You know, you got at some point you just got to say that's, that's the enough. Thing. The regular season always has twists and turns. Yeah. Let's hope we don't have to deal with that. I would think we talked about NFL opt-outs, but you Matt with all your campus to Canton and some of these new leagues, the college football opt-outs have been unreal lately. Yeah, Rondale Moore uh, opted out. I don't think it's going to be as big a deal as as some people are making out to. So I'll address that in a second. I want to. The one thing I can, I, I will argue on the other guy's side here. I'll, I'll kind of side with him, Dennis. The reason I don't like the auction thing is so you're saying that that he had like three first round picks is what is what you're saying, right? Yep. So what if that would have been say three picks in the top six, and he could have ended up walking away with the Trevor Lawrence, Rashad Bateman, and Najee Harris where you know someone like me, if I want Rashad Bateman that bad, I may use my whole auction bid on Bateman, and that's going to cause that guy to now not be able to get him. So just because he can bid all that extra money doesn't mean he's going to get a bunch of top guys like he should have had this been a a normal draft. I, I, I don't know what the right answer is. I, I mean, I don't. I know a lot of leagues, uh, I know some of the ones that we're in in Flea Flicker are talking about doing that auction thing. That's kind of my biggest argument against it because if you've been tanking, chances are it wasn't just a this offseason thing. It was a whole season last year as well. And, and right, now, so what happens if you do a weighted lottery and he gets the 10th pick? Here's, here's what I'll say. I, I don't think anybody should set anything in motion until we see more of what's going to happen. So 
because my personal opinion, I guess I, I would love to hear you guys, because this is kind of the way I'm going with the leagues that I commission. If we get through nine or 10 weeks, I'm counting that as a full season. I, I oh, honestly right. think we're going to get a full NFL season. I don't think it's going to go three, four weeks and they're canceling it. You know, we've seen, again, I know Matt knows as we've talked about it before. I'm a huge baseball fan and they've had a shit ton of people test positive and a lot of bad things happen. And even the commissioner's going to say, we're not quitters. We're just going to push through. I they don't just decided nobody actually needs to see the Florida Marlins play. Exactly. I, I don't think that'll happen. I think that the NFL will kind of do the same thing. So, what I would say is I'm fine with doing the doing the the bid or if your team if the the auction or if you guys want to do draft lotteries whatever if it does some, become something where you can't get in at least nine or ten weeks but I think if you go nine or ten weeks you just got to go inverse order like you usually would because that is for the most part a a you could say a almost completed fantasy season that's just right. my opinion. That, that's and that's where I'm actually I set the I set the market seven which is over yeah. half of a 13-game season. Yeah. If we play seven games, but for those seven games, I'm also doing all head-to-head plus all play. Gotcha. So, okay. so you potentially get two wins each week. Yeah. So you can beat your opponent head-to-head, but if you're in the top, this is a 16-team league, if you're in the top eight scoring teams in the league, you also get a win. And then right. t- ties are going to be decided by uh, points four, just like normal. You're going to all this effort. Mine's just going to be, if there's no season, I decide the draft order based on how much I care about you. <laughs> well, You pissed me off. You are shit out of luck. Yeah, and, and I think once you get past seven games, if you're at eight or nine or ten games, then I don't think you need to go with the all play. You can go with just the, the records um, and, and the, the points to determine what the tiebreakers are, and, and, and then the order will be decided. But if you're I mean, honestly, for me, I would probably be comfortable with if if you did uh, four or five games of of all play and head to head, I would be okay using that to decide the records. But most people are like, no, it's got to be at least a half a season. I'm like, honestly, can I say this whole last 15 minutes has made me hope that we don't have to have this question? Oh, I I hope not. But I, I, I hope not. And I don't think we will. But I just want people to know I don't want to be sitting here at, at week seven and they cancel the season. Everybody go, hey, how are we going to decide what the draft order is? And have to I'm just doing mine based on people's record picking the 2019, uh, 2020 NCAA men's basketball tournament. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Dennis. I don't think it'll happen. I, I, I said – I mean, baseball, I think, is the is the better comparison. I know everybody keeps talking about basketball. But it's just not possible for the NFL teams to be put in bubbles. I just There's too many players, too many coaching staff. Well, they you know, coach Matt, for the playoffs. That's yeah, why you're talking about baseball doing it for the playoffs. Yeah, I, I agree with the playoffs. That's a lot easier because you're limiting the amount of teams. And, again, you're not – That's just, so the playoffs for NFL and baseball would be the same thing that basketball is doing. Where, okay, you're going to be away from your family for like a month, two months. You know, NFL, you're talking about bubble for a whole season where the NBA players right now are not allowed to be with their families. You're asking a lot out of people not be able to see their wives or their kids for an Halloween, entire season. Thanksgiving, Christmas. Yeah, it's it's, it's not crazy. even just an entire season. It's like the major. Exactly. Season. So I, I don't think it's possible. Um, and I do think, you know, I've mentioned this before. I think in, in chats with other people, I don't know if I've said it on the pod, 
I, I don't think the NFL is going to be as bad as the NBA either. Like the difference with NBA players is, or and and MLB, not NBA. We're not talking about ma- major business school here stuff. Uh, for MLB players, when they get done, a lot of them in the they would though you go out to dinner, you go out to clubs because you don't have to be to the ballpark most days. So they after till twelve or one o'clock in the afternoon based on your game time. NFL players spend 10 to 13 hours at the facilities as it is, come home, be with their families, and then it's right back at it again. And I could honestly see that possibly even happening more with them having the shortened seasons. You have all these teams coming in with new head coaches, new game plans, new offenses, defenses. They're going to be spending more time at the facility. So I don't see a bunch of NFL players going out to the strip clubs and all that. Now when the bye weeks come, that may be a different story. But I think during the season and when they're actually playing their games, I don't think it's going to be a big issue. And so, I, I don't think we'll have a a shortened season. I think who the NFL is going to be the Lou Williams of the NFL. Ah, uh, if I had to guess, who who would I? Well, I would say A. B. But he's not in the league at least at the moment, so uh, probably, I don't know. Uh, probably a good thing. No, um. So on the on the college thing, before we reveal our draft order here. I actually don't think it's going to be as bad as a lot of people are talking about. You know, the big names are you got Parsons on the defensive side. I can't remember the Virginia Tech kid's name. He's probably a back-end first-round pick. Uh, And then, obviously, the big two names for all of us offensive people were Shard Bateman and Rondale Moore. Uh, What I'm talking about actually in one of the C2C leagues is we're in the middle of a draft right now. It makes sense. They're not going to make the playoffs or contend for a national championship. So I I understand why they're opting out. Like, Minnesota does have a chance – but I don't see him beating Ohio State or really Penn State. I think those two are the top in the in the Big Ten. So why would Bateman play and risk injury and risk all this when he has a chance to opt out and just get ready for the draft? It's not going to affect his draft stock at all. He's going to be one of the top three wide receivers taken. Same thing with Moore. It's going to come down to him, Bateman, and Chase. So I, I think, and that's why I think Chase is opting in because he's with a loaded LSU team that does have a chance to compete for the playoffs and the national championship. That's why you've seen Trevor Lawrence. Justin Fields have both come out and said, hey, let's go. We're ready to play. These guys that are going to be in the playoffs and national championship, I do think are not going to opt out because that I do, I do think that matters to college players winning a national championship. And I've not yet seen a guy on one of those top teams opt out yet, and I don't think we will unless something serious happens. And I obviously hope and we're I think we are all praying nothing happens to any college or NFL player. I mean, we've already seen the MLB player that suffered the heart issues because of that. We don't want to see any of that happen. Uh, so I don't think any college kids will opt out. All right, we got people in here commenting about their picks. So if I don't pick last, I quit. Well, I guess Ricky's quitting because I'm already bitching about this draft order because I know where I'm picking and I'm not happy about it. So let's go ahead and just reveal our draft order. We'll, we'll add all the intrigue and mystery like we usually do. That's me at 14. I'm really not happy about it. I think it's a bunch of bullshit. I think Fox rigged it. He's just trying to keep me out of the playoffs again this year. I do a bad enough job drafting. I don't need you to screw me with a pick as well, but I got pick 14. At 13, we got Earl of Dynasty. Uh, I'm Just a heads up, I'm just going to read the names that are on here because I don't know in all honesty who some of you are. I apologize about that, So, but I'm just going nice. to read the that, that Fox put on here. Uh, at 12, we've got Trade Fantasy. At 11, Shabuti. 10 is Jacob Niner. 9 is Mr. Matthew Fox. Let's see here. 8 is Tony, Mr. Commissioner. FF80 Aviator, not FF Hater. FF80 Ricky. I don't know why that's so hard for me to say. Uh, number 6, he went to the bed. 
five T Barry fifty. And that's seven. our uh, friend Jacob from the Music City yeah. Drive In podcast. I just now realized it's probably not smart for me to be reading these names. I'm really struggling with some of these. Uh, number four is our buddy Jonathan Weber, defending champion. Uh, the yes, defending champion with a good pick too. And uh, this is Superflex, right? Yep, Superflex. Oh. So he really got a good pick. He could he could easily luck into Barkley there. Uh, three Captain Crunch, two Mama Mama ma, 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 Michelle. Yeah, I know. Miss I, Michelle. And then number one, the my Michelle by Guns and Roses, eighty one. So that is the draft order for the redraft league. Uh, when are we starting that off, Matt? When are we When are we starting the draft? Tomorrow at noon. All right, so I won't get to pick till probably 8 o'clock tomorrow night. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, what happened? Oh, never mind. All right, so that'll do it. We will be back on Monday. Uh, possibly all three of us. Dennis might have some stuff going on, so he may not be able to join us. Uh, so may just stuff be- he has going on is that he saw it was the bottom half of the AFC South and was like, yeah. oh. Smart man. Boys, Smart you man. can take Jacksonville. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we'll we'll have uh we'll if, if if Dennis is here or not, we will be talking about the uh the Colts and the Jaguars uh on Monday and then Thursday. I don't remember what I decided we're doing on Thursday. Right, it's the Colts and Jaguars, that's what we're doing on yeah, Monday. It's the Colts and Jaguars, and here I will check the schedule real quick. I was about to pull that up too. I think we're doing a redraft thing or maybe something else. Maybe we can just talk about Round the redraft table schedule says that on Thursday the 13th, we are re- doing a redraft mock draft. Look at that. That worked out perfectly. It's like I knew this was going to happen. We can just actually talk about this redraft. And since Dennis is not in it, we can let him grade teams and, and all that good stuff. He can have the he can be the all-power commissioner. I'll be the team. arbiter of greatness. Exactly. Determining well, we, uh, we know that you and I are not going to do well then, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was telling somebody that earlier today. I was like, yeah, my problem last year is I bought too much into the Browns. And guess what? That shit ain't changing in 2020. So here we go. <laughs> go, oh, Michigan. is going to do really good in their, like, four and six record this year, buddy. I'm sorry. I hate to break it to you. But, Michigan, I don't know if you're actually watching right now, Ricky, or not. But if you did not hear about the Harbaugh and Ryan Day exchange on the Big Ten conference call today – Boy, do I got some news for you. I think Michigan is in for a really bad ass whooping later this year, and I cannot wait for it. If you haven't heard about it, I'll tell you about it. Uh, we will be uh, really quick, uh, heads up to you. We will be joining the uh, the Debbie Delight crew, which is Ricky and Chris Stoops, two great guys. Uh, they're a lot of fun to to talk with, part of the network as well. Uh, we will be joining them on Saturday for, for an episode with them, so definitely check that out. They go live as well. I'm sure we'll retweet it out. You can follow them um, at um, – Chris Stoops and I have uh, completely just blanked on on Ricky's uh, Ricky Valero underscore. So, but I didn't want to be wrong about that, and so at Ricky Valero underscore as well. Uh, they'll tweet that stuff out. I'm sure when they go live, they use Streamyard just like we do. Uh, so we'll be joining them. It'll be a lot of fun, and I'll definitely tell you what happened on that conference call if you didn't know about it. I th- I'm sure Dennis will enjoy that little. Uh, little tidbit as well. It's a lot of fun for us Buckeyes fans. So until we see you guys, if you start aside to start drop by Saturday, we'll see you Saturday. Otherwise we will talk to you guys again on Monday. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only oh, tackle with the 40 yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can.
Okay. 